Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Here for episode 237 of the Church Planner Podcast. Point five. Mm, that is true. Two. Ooh, you know, it's it's always that point five that gets you. This is actually going to be a really interesting Church Planner Podcast. If for no other reason, you and I are doing it late at night, which is uh, not a usual time for us or for you, actually, to be awake, and- period. And a very bad idea because I am up early in the morning. I'm a morning person. All yeah, day. I'm not. I'm not. I'm a night person. Totally night person. Every every once in a while, I'll get excited about something. I'll text Pete at like, you know, was it like five thirty, six in the morning? Your text like, this oh. morning woke me up, man, because I had the phone right next to my, my bed just in case I needed to, you know, have an emergency or whatever. I have the phone right there. And, um, and your text came in at like. I don't know, five thirty, six o'clock, <laughs> some crazy time like that. See, here's the deal, church planner. My wife, my my beautiful bride of fourteen years, has left me. She's coming back, so she says on Sunday, and uh, today is Friday, and so it's been two and a half days without her. And here's the thing: I've got Luke, our two year old. Now, I don't know what all my wife does around the house, but all of a sudden I know there's no more clean dishes. His diaper has not been changed in two days. It's really amazing that that diaper can hold as much as it does. Um, super absorbent on the bottom. <laughs> I'm, I'm banking on the super absorbent. He's got like a layer of dirt all over him. That's amazing to me. Like when I take those... I- baby wipes to like clean off his face it's like he's got he's got a clean mark wherever i wipe the baby the baby wipes it's 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 amazing you you and i were going to meet up for lunch with uh don overstreet catalyst for la and uh and then we're going to head over to centralize together and uh and and you know of course my wife you know gets called in very first time to to substitute teach and normally I'm a butthead on stuff like that, right? Like, oh, today of all days, you know, but she comes in. It's like 6.30 in the morning. And she's like, hey, I just got called in. And, uh, you know, and, and I had this, like, rare moment of wisdom where I'm like, okay, you know, because I'm thinking, you know, and you got to think like this with church planning, right? Like, I got to support you sometimes, you know, like, that that's a big deal. And uh, Well, and she's it, getting paid, think, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's so, money. You know, I say yeah, send the woman mama. to work. Dude, she's my sugar mama. I'm telling you. One I, day. There used to be a time when Jamie was making more money than me, and I thought it was the greatest rig in the world. All these guys who are like, <laughs> yeah. 
You know, oh, no, I got to be the breadwinner. Uh-uh, not me, baby. Not me. Well, you go out there. Well, what was funny is, you know, I called you on the phone, and I'm like, yeah, Pete, you know, um, we're not, we're not going to be meeting up for, for lunch. We're going to this really killer barbecue place called Johnny Reb's in Long Beach. And I've been There's looking forward places. to it. Oh, dude, two places you want to go. If you're ever in Long Beach. For two days, I've been looking forward to it. You told me we were going to go there on Thursday. Yeah, call me and Pete if you're ever in Long Beach, and you can buy us lunch at Johnny Reb's or <laughs> or uh, Otis's Chicken and Waffles, man. Now that, that if you want some soul food, that's some good stuff. But anyways, I hadn't eaten I told, in 24 hours because I was waiting to go to the barbecue. I know, and I I told you I was like, you know, you were like, oh, Luke's gonna be crushed. You know, he's been eating candy like for the last couple of days, and I was like, yeah, man, you're, you know, you. I was excited because you're gonna actually put clothes on him today. Oh, you that's know, true. Going out, Luke. He's Put actually wearing the on. same pajamas. We haven't left the house. <laughs> the kid's going stir crazy. He's like, let me out. Dude. And, and then, oh, dude, I told you about this. My wife, she says to me um, a couple of weeks back, she goes, hey, um, I only have like two more of my pills left, referring to her birth control. <laughs> to which my reply was, okay, so what does that mean? And then she looks at me with like this big Cheshire grin smile. And I'm like, oh, no, because <laughs> that means she wants another kid, right? And I'm like, isn't Luke enough? Don't, don't you love Luke? <laughs> and then she goes, she goes, and this is, this is a true story. This is the part I didn't tell you. She goes, I do love Luke, and I would love another one just as much as I love him. And I go, well, what if I don't love another one as much as you love him? <laughs> I go, I think it was a real kind of you know crapshoot, and I ended up loving this one. I think we ought to stick with that and be done, you know. But uh, yeah, but that's why she married you is because you're away with words. <laughs> I, I, this is this is the best advice a pastor has ever given to my wife. I was looking for any excuse I could find to use that soundbite, and I found it. Dude, I'm telling you, we could use that all throughout the broadcast. And just so you know, yes, it's 9 o'clock at night right now when we're recording that, and that is the train going by my house. This week, they've been going through it like 3 in the morning, like laying on the horn. So I'm thinking there must be like a cow on the track. Like I live near the train track. Yeah, yeah but dude, look at like, where you live. There must be something. There might maybe someone went out there and like laid down on the track. I don't know. You know, I'd like, never been to your house. Like, and what was it last Saturday? Last week, yeah. I went to your house for the first time, dude. Yeah, I finally let you come to my house. I, I know, really. I, I've I've reached that level in our friendship. You can come. <laughs> Well, the the best part is when I get there, you're like, yeah, um, Andrea wanted me to go to the park, so can you go to the park with me? <laughs> Pete's like, the, the couple of days before, we're going to like get together and do some uh, church planner podcast uh, planning at, uh, uh, you know, I, I was just thinking at Islands, right, um, and uh, our office, and, uh, and so like Pete. Pete's telling me, oh, yeah, you know, I'll be there. Uh, I'll put Luke down, and then I'll come down. And so I'm thinking he's going to put him down for a nap. So my wife's like, hey, this park's opening in town. So I'm talking to Pete. He's like, hey, man, what's your address? And I'm like, boom, boom, boom. And then I said, hey, when you come down, Pete goes, right now. I'm like, dude, I thought you had to put Luke down. He's like, I did. Yeah, in the car, man. I'm on my way. That's a long drive from my house to your house. He needs to sleep through that. So I did look at my wife and say, uh, there's been a change of plan. Um, Pete's coming right now. So anyway, so when Pete got here, I made him pay. Do you live you go in park, like man. the nicest house I've ever seen. Like it's a oh. block from the ocean. No, come on now. Be honest. My house is not Well, the okay. House. Maybe. Well, a location. Yeah. It, well, the house shack. itself is it's old, right? Because it's got the crink windows. Like it's not even, you know, a a window. I don't even know. Dude, I could sell my oven because it's from the fifties and it would stink in because it was original. It's not like I, you know, I'm like a vintage collector. It's actually from the fifties and it's never gonna break. I'm just telling you. But it's like where you live, the size of your lot, because it's actually a double lot. You're a yeah. block from the ocean, and you're like three feet from the train. And I like was seeing the train, dude, and I'm, I'm like, like, holy crap, dude! Block. 
You're that close. Yeah, the block is cut down the middle by a train track. Here, true story, right? The reason I live in this house, I came off the mission field, and the head of my board goes, hey, you know, do you want to... uh..." Oh, by the way, if you're new uh, listening to the Church Planner podcast, we talk a lot of smack before we get into the real stuff. But just stick around. Even though you don't want to know about my house, I'm going to tell you anyways. This is our podcast. We talk about what we want. And we laugh at our own jokes. So welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. So here's the deal, you know. So I come back and 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 these and they're like old friends of my family. That the head of my board, he was like my best friend. He goes, "Hey, my parents, you know, they got this house, and it's in North County, San Diego. If you want to, um, you know, uh, maybe stay there." And so I, I go back to them because they did my newsletter when I was a missionary overseas. And I write him and say, hey, you know, what's this about the house? You know, yeah, I mean, we got nowhere to land when we get back. We're moving back from the UK. And they go, no, um, we've had like this uh, missionary couple that's lived there for like, you know, 12 years, man. And, you know, they're they're pretty they're pretty happy there. Of course, like Pete said, who wouldn't be double plot half a block down from the beach? Of course, it is right on a train track, but you're you're on the right side of the train track. If you know what I'm saying. And so the deal is, is that, you know, they go, oh, yeah, we'll give you like half rent. So it's like a total no brainer. But they're like, you got to pray. I pray. And my you got to pray. I don't get it. Why were they telling you you got to pray? Well, because they oh, said, to kick out they the other guy. No, oh. they weren't going to kick him out. They're like, these are missionaries from Mexico <laughs> like, like years ago. Who so. does God love more, me or the other missionaries? Dude, <laughs> I swear to you, like, God, my prayers aren't magic. My prayers are as stupid as all your prayers, right, listening right now. Uh, right? Oh, can we just agree? Our prayers are stupid, right? We need the Holy Spirit, like Romans 8 says, to make them cool. But so, you know, I just pray. And she goes, she writes me back that week and says, hey, um, they, they're moving out. Um, they found a place they want to buy. They couldn't afford this house. And uh, so anyways, we're living here and, you know, we're praying. We're like, this place is so cool. Like it's got avocado trees. It's got macadamia nut tree, like all the, all the fatty pulpy stuff, you know, it's, it's got everything you want. It's got tangerines. It's got, I mean, grapefruit. It's, it's a hot house to live in. Right. So I ended up, uh, you know, kind of saying, um, Hey, do you guys maybe want to sell it? And I'd been praying, like, I don't want to move again. I was kind of worn out after being a serial church planner. I moved every few years and they said, yeah, you know, um, but you know, can you afford it? I said, no, but I just want to know what, what you'd let it go for. They go, go down to the bank. Now I've been a missionary for 12 years. I'm not rolling in dough. Right. So I go down to the bank. I, I ask what I can get approved for. Right. They practically laugh me out of the bank, but they do give me an amount. I go back to this this couple and say, hey, you know, um, this is what I can afford. And they said, done. And thank the Lord. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah, because so it was probably like 60 to 50% of what it was actually worth. Yeah, it was 50%. They gave it to me. It was half of what, you know, I mean, it's like prime real estate down by the beach. So um, I guess, you know, uh, it's it's pretty cool, man. I, I cool. want to get to Winnebago. It's a shack. It's 1,100 square foot. The property it's on is massive, but yeah, because you've got your detached office that you're in right now. It's it's a totally different. I mean, it's the garage, but it's an office that's been converted for part of the garage. Well, it's actually what's really cool is it's actually the original garage, and the guy added. He was a mechanic, and so he added on like you know a, a, a double garage onto this and made this into a room where he kept on the engine parts so see what i love is how you've got that huge double garage and yet you still park on the street <laughs> dude not only do i have a double garage but i have a massive driveway that used to poke uh, park a boat in and i still park on the street that's why i'm saying if you've got a uh, winnebago that you want to donate to church planner magazine church planner podcast we'll get you a tax deductible receipt for it and I'm going to park it on your property and I'm going to live in it. Heck yeah, man. Come on. You know, uh, you know, support Pete and Peyton. That's what I'm talking about you know, right there. Give us your Winnebago, man. So that, that, that was uh, actually what I told Jamie. I told her we can't have a kid and live in the same house. So she's got to make a choice. Either we keep the house and no kid or we have to move and she can have a kid. Well, so I say live in a know. Winnebago down at Peyton's house and then we can have another Absolutely. kid. Then we can have a litter of them. Just think, Pete, we'd Baker's dozen every day. It'd be like having a pool when you're a kid. If I had a pool, I'd swim every day. Dude, your wife would hate me in like three weeks. She'd be like, it's time for them to go. 
Dude, she hated you on Saturday by the time you left. Yeah, well, that happens a lot. <laughs> so I All know right, we're well, way hey, over. Our, get, yeah, what, what are we talking we about break on this podcast? A new record? Is that a new record? What are we at? We're at 13 minutes, baby. All right. Once we went 22, talking total smack. So, All right. Well, hey, the topic today is um, how to be a church planning church. Pete, go. You having a laugh? <laughs> is he having a laugh? Having a laugh, he is, love. Okay, so here's a deal. How do you become a church planning church? Okay, one one of the things that always concerns me with church planners is that guys want to start out and plan a church, and you know, you know that it's just about their church, right? It's not about the gospel anymore. In fact, in Church Planner Magazine, there is a, what I think is a fantastic article, a little bit of a correctional, a little bit sobering. Um, little check on the whole uh, church planning movement uh, written by a guy I respect, um, Andrew Wilkinson. He's he's done a lot of ministry in Africa um, and in the U.K. And, he doesn't say, uh, isn't he in the U.K.? He's in the U.K., yeah. He used to live in Africa, and uh, he was a missionary there and um, still is involved with uh, some Tanzanian church planners. If you want to know... Uh, some amazing church planning. Look it up. Uh, some of the stuff going on in Tanzania with uh, like church planning out in the bush. That's phenomenal. And he's involved with that. And so he writes this article. And uh, and one of the things that that he says is, look, Paul didn't set out to plant churches. Paul set out to preach the gospel, mm. and churches resulted from that. Yeah. And and I think sometimes we got to pull back from the church planting movement and ask that question, you know, am, am I planting a church because I want a church in this place? Or, you know, uh, and it becomes about the church. Like, so you do your logo and you get your fancy name and, you know, you think, ooh, we'll meet in that building. And Well, here's the other thing, too. It, it's so comfortable to do what is culturally acceptable. And so I'm not necessarily referring to the American culture. I'm referring to the church culture, the Christian evangelical culture. It's very acceptable to try and, uh, you know, like you said, get the nice logo, get the the good building, whether it's in the school, the theater, whatever. And that's very culturally acceptable in the uh, the evangelical community. Yeah, absolutely. And I just can't see Paul doing it that way. I can't imagine Paul going, hey, let's go to Ephesus. You know what we're going to do? We're going to call the church Pillar because they got the Temple of Diana. And that, that'll just resonate, right? Or the Temple, the Temple Gathering, you know? Um, <laughs> just out of curiosity, because you've been overseas, what do most missionaries do when they go to, um, you know, other countries? Like, Well, the one of the ways that you reach culture is you serve it. And you start learning quickly. Okay, so there's a lot of move right now towards serving the community or justice. That's because in a post-Christian society, you have you you aren't afforded a lot of the same uh, open doors. You know, when Paul talks about a door was open to us or this and that. Um, like in the case of uh, the Philippians, he you know he meets with Lydia. Um, you know, because there's a group of women praying down by the water. Well, that's cake. You know, Paul could go into the synagogue and reason with them. Uh, excuse me, dude, I'm burping left and right again. Um, <laughs> you've but, got the but, you've got the demonic burp. Yeah, the demons come and attack you with gas every time we do a podcast. You know, Martin Luther thought that. I don't know if you know that, but Martin Luther thought when he had gas that it was a uh, spiritual protection and defense against spiritual warfare. So when he farted. He thought that that was, you know, there must be demons in the room. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting armed, you know. That that brings a different. Uh, <laughs> Look, when I fart, there's definitely a demon in the room. I'm just saying. <laughs> you can just hear it now. <laughs> I rebuke you. But, you know, it, it definitely has a different uh, <laughs> uh, perspective on the whole, you know, I love the smell of battle quote, you know. He's definitely. A... But anyways, I'm moving on. I, I digress as usual. But, but the deal is, is that. Um, yeah, I mean, you serve culture in 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 places like uh, the mission, you know, overseas and different things. And America's getting that way, where if you can serve people, um, you you earn the right to be heard. 
Um, that, that would be another podcast, I think, where we could just talk about that the whole time and getting the balance right between preaching the gospel. Because preaching the gospel is something that is, is in one sense, kind of being lost. Um, and that's Andrew's article is Paul went and preached. If people responded to the preaching of the gospel, then a church got planted. And that was his whole thrust of that article, which is, you know, in the, uh, the next edition will be out in February of Church Planner Magazine. Definitely pick that up. Um, but yeah, I mean, when we talk about becoming a church plan church, I just can't picture Paul going out to Ephesus and saying, Hey, let's do it this way. And we'll call the church this. And, and then everything kind of becomes this big risk and gamble on planting this church. And if it succeeds, um, that's just not how Paul did it. In fact, you can read about Paul going to certain communities, um, in the book of Acts where he preaches and nothing happened. And he moves on. Hmm. Just he wasn't like, "Hey, I'm a church planter." He was, and we call this a church planter podcast. But hopefully, our focus is preaching the gospel. But once you're planting a church, um, you you should be what Ed Stetzer calls a viral church. In other words, a virus um, is actually a virus factory. Um, one virus can create millions of viruses. And it itself um, just, you know, can can host from one. You get one virus, you can you can host an entire army of viruses. Each church ought to be like Antioch, where it's a church planting church. And so we want to talk a little bit today about how to make sure that your church plant is not just the end, but it becomes a means to the end. You want to be a stepping stone to many church plants. Didn't we have someone on the podcast? And and this is the thing. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or someone we were talking to. And their denomination, when you uh, plant a church, from the first month, you're supposed to be giving uh, 10% back to uh, church planting. Was that that Um, on the podcast or was that someone we were just talking to? And they were saying, this is how we do it. Yeah, um, I believe that's Acts 29. Yeah, I don't think that's who we were talking to. But see, to me, that what I really like about that is it starts from the beginning of keeping your focus on what you're there to do. Because, uh, you know, like I, I've heard of some uh, networks and stuff like that. They say, all right, your first year you don't need to give anything back. And then your second year, we want you to start doing stuff. And it's so much harder to do it the second year because yeah. you've, you've kind of said mentally, Hey, you know what? These are what our finances are. So let's say, I don't know, you were bringing in five grand a month and you're like, Ooh, you know, and now we got to get 500 to church planning. Ooh, I don't know if we can do that. Well, what are you there for? Yeah. I mean, are you there to, to get a job? And that's, I mean, that's what most salespeople who go out and start their own business. So, like, you see it a lot in real estate because in real estate, all you got to do is take one more test and you become a broker. And when you're a broker, you can have your own shop, your own agents. So you got the best real estate agents. Now, it doesn't happen with all of them, but a lot of them will go, hey, you know what? I'm a really good agent and I'm going to open up my own shop now. And so they do it for the, the, the whole purpose is. I'm going to basically get myself my own job. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're working for someone else, you're like, well, they could still cut me. They could do whatever. But, you know, when I've got my own business, I've got my own job. And I think a lot of guys who were, you know, Don Overstreet said this, whose uh, interview just aired right before this one. And he said, you know, when guys come to him and he's like, hey, um, you know, and, and they're saying, well, you know, no one can give me a, a, a church. So I guess that's God's way of saying you must be a church planner. And he's like, yeah. No, that's that's not it at all. And and unfortunately that is the um the the biggest thing that I see happening with guys is they think I've always wanted to be in full time ministry and if I plan a church I'll you know, doggone it, I'll I'll get to be in full time ministry. And I'll be a contender, I'll be a real pastor, a real preacher. And, you know, Pinocchio doesn't become a real boy when he plants a church. I mean the the reality is that um you can you can really uh, let's put it this way: if most church planners that are true church planners, right, um, they would almost not wish it on their worst enemy. And I'm not just 
being full of bravado here. It is hard. I'll tell you, every time I plan a church and God moves me on, I'm worn out. And frequently I take a break from ministry because I'm just tired. Um, because for, for me, God puts me in the, the, the part that no one wants to do. I, God has kind of made me a, uh, not a specialist, but he's, he's focused me on that, on that first one or two years where everyone else just can't wait to blow past that part. For me, that's, that's where I thrive. That's where I'm alive. And so it, it, but it's the hard part. We'll do a podcast in future called the second year because that is undoubtedly the hardest time for any church plant. Um, it's the time where all the excitement dies down and then people start getting disgruntled and people are like, Oh, this thing didn't pop. I read a book where thousands of people overnight that didn't happen. People start infighting, you know, and, and it's just hard. You know, you know, um, you really start learning the community too, and you realize whatever you're doing probably wasn't working anyways, and you got to revisit. You know, uh, how how do I? But you get to know the community. You redouble your efforts for prayer, and a lot of it is just stinking enduring. Right? How many times have you told someone who you just met? They go, "Oh, what do you do?" And you go, "Oh, I'm a pastor." They immediately chalk you into a whole nother box. I mean, yeah. In in one way, say that. In, in one way, though, they, they look at everything you do, right? Because they want to see how you're living, how you're talking to everyone else. Um, but at the same time, too, they they definitely throw you in another box. And I don't yeah. know that you have the same influence with people when your primary gig is, oh, I'm a you know I'm a pastor of a church. I love these guys who are bivocational. Yeah, I love them, man. I look at that and I'm like, dude, these guys get it. Now I, I realize. I mean, no one wants to be bivocational. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, most of the guys I talk to, they're like, "Well, it's just the church can't pay me enough," you know. But to me, I look, I look at it and I love it because I'm like, man, you're you're totally freed up to be a real person, to not just be yeah. the pastor who everyone's like, okay, well, you know, when my life totally falls to crap, I'll call that guy. But otherwise, you know, eh, I'm not going to go hang with him. Dude, seriously, it doesn't matter what uh, sphere of life you're involved in. When you're a bivocational planner, it doesn't matter if you're playing like a, you know, uh, an online video game and you've got a little posse there that you talk to all the time. They want to know, like, you know, hey, what's your church like? Um, if you uh, play sports, you know, if you're part of some club or group or down the pub or, you know, your, your workmates, um, they want to know. You know, like I, if if nothing else, out of morbid curiosity, like, dude, you know, we just want to see you make a fool out of yourself on a Sunday. That'd be cool, you know. And and people that you work with, you have a reach. My my mentor, a guy named Peter Jeffrey, um, is one of my UK mentors. He used to say, "You will reach more people by twelve o'clock noon on Monday than the average pastor will uh, reach an entire week." Yeah, and that's so true. Yeah, but but you know a, a church planner. Here's what happens with a, with a guy who's really seriously called the church plant. He gets to pass that first second year, and he gets bored, and that's bad news because, um, like, I've got a guy right. Do you now, think um, though? Do I mean? Do you think most? I I don't know. See, you're a serial church planner, man. But but that's it to me. That's like the difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner. You know, the business exactly. owner is never going to leave his company. The whole reason he's doing the business is to build it up. And that's what I think most church planners are. They're they're, you know, I'm going to hear I'm going to build up this church. I mean, Rick Warren's a good example, right? While he's sent except, out. Except, here's the deal. When I say a real church planner, I'm going back to say like Apostolos in the Greek. I'm going to a you know a sent one, and there's sent ones that stay, and the sent ones that stay, like Rick Warren or like my sending pastor, um, they are they're still in Apostolos, so they can't rest unless they're sending other people out, and so for them. The pent up energy that results from if God plants them, say in a mega church or their church plant grows to a certain size, um, they cannot be content with that. 
they've got to start shooting people out all over the place. See, that same drive that caused them to plant a church in that community was to see the gospel get to people. It wasn't so they could have a preaching gig right. or they could have you know their own ministry. What, what happens sometimes is a teacher, um, you know, Ephesians 4, he might want a pulpit. So he thinks, well, no one will give me one, so I'll plant a church and then I'll have a place to preach. And I can't wait till the world gets to hear what I have to say. Or a shepherd, you know, um, thinks the same thing. Or one of these other roles, uh, which again is why you always need to be in a team, because your role will seriously uh, keep you from expanding. You need apostolic input um, as a church planner, because what some guys do is they, like I said, starting a church does not make you a church planner. Um, starting a church means you just started a church. So for example, like, uh, I got to mention any names, but Pete, you and I talk a lot about the, the different emails and, uh, various things that we get in regards to church planning. We try to keep abreast of what's out there. There's certain guys that are marketing stuff that what they're really marketing, they're not marketing you how to plant churches. They're marketing you how to run a church service and get a big crowd. That's not the same as planting they're, they're actually, a church. That's actually not what they're marketing. They're marketing how to get rich. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. literally what it is. I mean, I know you and I talked about one particular person, and I know who his mentor is. And his mentor is one of my mentors in the business world, and he is Abs- I, everything I look at from him, I'm like, he is selling how to get rich. Yeah, and he's disguising it as church plan in the marketing. Yeah, it's the same thing, but all he's done is change everything to be church planning and you know increase your baptisms by this much or what have you. And you know that's hey, if if your motive is really to see people saved, that's awesome, right? Um, but you, you, we have to be careful because guys, some of what's out there is not helpful. Um, it, it is getting things completely backwards. And like I said, I just, you have to always run these things by Jesus and by Paul. Like I'm convinced that so much of what we do in Jesus's name is a lot like the temple, man, where Jesus would just come in, you know, he'd quietly sit and watch what we're doing. And we'd be like, oh, you know, he's not that interested. He seems like he's into, you know, he's making like an arts and crafts project. And then he busts out the whip and goes, you bunch of thieves, man. You're turning my house. This is meant to be a place people seek God, where they seek me. And you're making it into a money-making business, a, a den of thieves. And, um, Which, know, you know, interestingly enough, uh, on something that you hit on earlier, I don't know if it was on your Facebook stream or someone else's, but someone had put a link to uh, an article that I'm sure you probably read. And um, it was on this one church, and I don't know what state it was. It was either on, like, church leaders or, you know, one of those sites and um, they were the, the reason why they were writing the articles because they were having a healing. They were inviting back all of the old pastors because every pastor yeah, the widowmaker. Yeah, yeah that's right. It was the widowmaker. Church, yeah. Who? What was that on? Was it churchleaders.com? Or do you remember? Yeah, it was churchleaders.com. But you know what I thought was so interesting in reading that article was um, it specifically said you know the power struggles that would go on. Yeah. The board was basically like, hey, you know, we want you to come and, and preach a good sermon. And, you know, basically we want you to make us happy. And if you don't, then we fire you. I mean, this is a job. Yeah. And um, and it was controlled. I don't I'm sure you noticed this. It was controlled by the big tithers like that was what controlled it. Because if the big tithers said we don't want that person in there, the board said, OK, he's got to yeah. go. Well, what, what happens, funny you're mentioning that, because think of like Steve Jobs, for example, right? He has this incredible idea, right? He has the, the Macintosh, right? He's got Apple computers, and it's revolutionary, and everybody wants one. Not everyone can afford one, but there's nothing like it at the time. And he starts it off, it grows, it becomes the next big thing. It's like, you know, and then because it becomes... This, you know, goes from a garage to becoming something like, you know, a multi-million dollar business. Um, and I think, you know, what did it like? I can't remember how much it, it was when it went public, but, um, they got rid of them because, you know, suddenly there was these assets to protect, you know, and, and so what can happen is you can plant your church 
and you just become a carbon copy of what you left. Because a lot of guys want to plant churches and they're like, man, we're not reaching this community and they just got this fire in their bones. And I think that's healthy. I don't always think it's healthy to look at the, the church you've come from and be judgmental on it. Um, I always have to tell guys, look, you know, your pastor may have been a shepherd or he may be a teacher and, you know, we're not functioning in the New Testament model where you've got the balance of a prophetic leader and an apostolic leader and evangelist and a teacher and a shepherd. But he's doing what shepherds do or he's doing what teachers do. Don't be don't be too hard on him. But but maybe they feel the church they've come from is insular. Well, it so easily happens that you become um, that same church once you get all of the size and the bulk. And then suddenly you think, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, I just am the same church. I just, so, so the question is, how do I become the church planting church? How do I become the church that exponentially replants itself or plants out from itself? How do I become a viral church plant? In other words, how do I, uh, like we were talking about the Tanzanians, their final exam when they train church planters isn't that they plant a church. Their final exam after three years um, of both theology, um, biblical studies, and hands-on church planning is that they themselves would have planted a church that itself plants a church. See, to me, that's that's awesome because that that totally gets to the spirit of it. And that's kind of what I, I mean, when I, when I keep thinking about some of these other church models, and I know this can't necessarily be done, um, but think about how freeing it is for a guy like Rick Warren, who's like, hey, I don't need to take a salary from this church because yeah. I've already got other income. Now, everyone's going to hear that and go, well, hey, if I wrote Purpose Driven Life, sure, I'd take that salary. But I, I wrote Purpose Driven Life and Rick stole it from me. But you called it Church Zero. <laughs> I was going to mention this in my book. I was going to mention I was I had a shameless plug on the ready too. But but um but think about it from the from the point of view of if you're a bivocational guy and let's say you don't necessarily have to take income from the church. If it's really what your passion is, do you need to get income from that? And I say if you don't need it, I mean, that puts you in a position of you get to say, hey, no, look, what we're doing as a church, this is how we're going to reach the community. And if the big tithers start to get all you know pissy and stuff, it's like you can leave. Look, my income is not coming from this church. This is what our mission is. I love that. And I know Dude, not everyone can do Church planners have that. Yeah, church planners have that because you're not getting your paycheck. It is such a freeing position to be in. I and and one of the things I, I remember people saying stuff like, well, you know, we need this and that and that and this. And, of course, I was so raw when I planted my first church. It, uh, I, I would just tell them, hey, man, you're not paying me. <laughs> it's like that does need to be done. Why don't you do it? Because this ain't my job. You know, I'm just here because Holy Spirit started doing something in this neighborhood. And what? it was crass and it was a little bit raw and in your face. But, you know, they got it. You know, Why like, don't you <laughs> tell everyone your theory on how pain should be done to the pastors. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, like when the guy moves on? Yeah. Cause okay. This, yeah. this to me, when, when you shared that with me, I was like, this is a gold mine. Not in far, as, far, as far as money, but this is, a, this, is a, this is a gold mine idea. This makes sense to me in the church planning world where you're trying to reach the lost, where you're, tr you're, you're going into the really bad areas and you know, it, it's like, but we got to replicate, right? We've got to have more and more churches if we're going to keep reaching these areas. Yeah. After, after planning churches and then building it up and creating a, I always leave right about the time the church can pay me. And you know, I'll get like a little bit of money. Like, you know, it might be like a thousand, two thousand, something like that. Might be more, but it won't be a full time wage or anything like that. So, um, depends on where I'm at. And, uh, you know, like in, in my first church plant in the UK, uh, when I started, they couldn't pay me a penny. Every bit of money, including my own money, was being poured into that. My, my father had passed away and, um, you know, I was spending part of my inheritance on, on that church, you know, if it needed stuff. So, um, 
you know, the, the reality is, and, and, and it was church on the cheap, man. Don't, you know, don't think I was like funding this thing in Europe. You know, it's like chucking money down a hole, you know, um, the, the majority of stuff you need to do doesn't, doesn't cost anything, but you know, there were some stuff, things that we needed. And, um, so, so, you know, right about the time where I'm planning and, and they can pay me and I wouldn't have to be bivocational anymore. It's time for me to move on. And so at a certain point after handing, you know, my churches over to, to people who, uh, they hadn't been in the trench, they hadn't, you know, sweat for it. They hadn't bled for it. Um, I remember at one point going, you know what, that this kind of like, I'm just handing everything to this person that hasn't invested into it. Maybe they were there, but, um, and, and I just remember maybe it was a minister that we brought in or someone, you know, another ministry contact or another missionary. I remember at a certain point going, you know what, I would be so freed up if I could take the pay from that church plant, just that small uh, part-time wage and kind of take that to propel me and send me on to the next church plant so I didn't have to start all over again. I'd still be bivocational, but now it was freed up from not having to be dependent upon the new church plant for finances. It would move me on a lot quicker. And that was, that so, was so kind of the... Let, let, let's say, let's break this down so people understand what you're saying. Let's say after two years, the church is finally able to pay $2,000 a month to yeah. the pastor. I'm just throwing that out yeah. as a number. Be different sure. in every area, whatever, right? Okay, but yeah. but that's about the time that you're sitting there going, you know what? This thing's ready. I mean, you know, we've got 50, 60 people. Um, it's a good church. Uh, there's literally anybody from seminary would love to take over that church because it'd be like 60 people that I can go love yeah, on. And absolutely. I, and, I, and I think I think it's pretty fair to say um, to a certain degree that, um, you know, you, you can if the church is growing and it's doing well um, uh, and that's that's modest, you know, um, that, that you would probably be able to add about a thousand on a year for your church plant. So, um you know, of what they could pay. So by the second year, 2000 might be just about right. Okay. So $2,000 a month, but that's when you're like, all right, now it's time to go plant off and do another church. And you're the guy that goes out and plants out. So you've basically built up this church to where it could pay the pastor 2000 a month. You're going to leave it. You're going to invite someone else in who's probably been there with you along the way, but they're going to be invited into that kind of leadership role of your spearhead in this thing now. Yeah. Um, so you're going to get the $2,000 a month, but that leaves you back at square one again. And you know, that person was, I mean, to me, it's like, who wouldn't take that? Right. Who wouldn't go? Absolutely. Give me a two. I remember my first church plant by the time I left, I, I, I was getting, it was the first time where I was getting paid. Uh, I had been there for 12 years. I, I was full-time supported until 9-11 for less than a year, my first year on the field. For the next 10 years, I was working in factories, Starbucks, a firefighter, a clinical troubleshooter, did all these different jobs. And then, like, my last year, they could pay me full-time. And, and I remember kind of, you know, thinking, like, you know, I, I handed everything like, you know, that's so rare for people to have a full time paycheck. And we it was awesome. man. we did tons of outreach um, and we saw people getting saved. But it was like a chain. It, it didn't cost a lot of money. But so I handed this off to um, my replacement. And, and, and so that was kind of cool for him. But it wasn't so cool for me. Right. And and as I began to think about it, I thought. What would be the thing that for most church planners would keep them, even if they feel like, man, I really feel after two years, like I need to go out. I'm a serial church planner. I'm apostolos. I'm like the Apostle Paul, because uh, that's how I see myself now. I, people ask me what I do. I say I'm a church planner. And and I tell them, because they think, oh, so how big is your church? And I, no, 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 no. No, I, I don't stick around long enough for it to get big. Right. I, I raise up a team and the team takes it. But right about the time that I take off, um, the, the thing that would hold me there is the paycheck. So the way it works for for 
new breed is that if you're a cereal planter, you take that part-time wage with you. The guy who comes be behind you after two years, you've given him everything. You've given him a pastor. You're still around for training wheels. He can't screw it up too bad, but you've, you've handed him uh, a pulpit. You've handed him, you know, everything. And so the thing that you're not handing him is it's probably paycheck. a good thing is the paycheck. And you're saying what you're doing is you're you're funding me to go on so that uh, I, and and hey, isn't that a great thing? You know, you you propel me forward. I worked here and sweated and built this thing up to where they could afford to pay me this small amount, and I take it with me. And of course, that would taper off. That would eventually go back to the church. So um, when I leave a church, I don't keep uh, that. When, when would it go back to the church? Um, you would you would start planting your next one, or you would uh, not need those funds um, as you go on to the next place. So, like for me, I'm not planting a church right away, but I have other plans which you know of that uh, will taper will help taper off what I'm making from from that church plant. But in the meantime, um, I happen to be working but, with multiple teams now. But I mean, like, is uh, there a like what I'm what I'm getting at here is. Can we give the church planner who's listening to this right now a guideline, you know, an idea that they could take with this? Like, if you were there okay. for two years, the pay stays so with you, you for two like years. This. I mean, let's is say, that? Yeah, absolutely. Let's say that you leave a church and you make an agreement with the church and you say, look, here's my goal is, let's say two years, $2,000. I, I, I'm sent off with that. Um I will leave, and in the first year, you will pay me $2,000, right? Which a is month. fair enough. If the month. other guy needs to come in behind you. you. You've laid the foundation. Now another man comes in and builds on it, as Paul says. So he needs to build. He can't just like come in um, and just take a full paycheck and just sit back and kind of watch the church shrink because he's lost that apostolic impetus. You've taken that with you when you've gone, but – Hopefully, he's got the vision, and there's a little bit of, hey, he's not there to give himself a paycheck. In fact, you kind of tell him, hey, that's probably not going to happen, but here's the deal. Um, you, uh, you, you're you not going to have that. So so he thinks, well, okay, okay, you know, that's fair enough. If he says, no, man, I want that money, you got the wrong guy for the job anyways. Remember, this is propelling you out as a missionary to plant churches on the front line. So you tell him, look. You, you look back to that church and you say, the first year you continue to pay me two thousand. The second year, because it's it's your support wanes from the church you've just left, and it waxes um, from the church that you've just gone to. So maybe in the second year, then that you've left that church, it goes down to one thousand, and then you're taking uh, one thousand from the church that you've just come from. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um... And I, I like and then, that. I kind of like the idea, though, that if you were there for two years and it finally got up, well, I, I think it maybe it should be like a reverse of whatever it was while you were there. But I also think it should be written into the bylaws. Like, this is how we do it at our church. It's written into our bylaws. Is it written in? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's because you, you wrote the bylaws. No, I'm just kidding. I did write the bylaws. <laughs> and it's it's the model that we have. And it, it's it's kind of unheard of. If you're listening to the podcast, say you have to know, like, you know, this isn't. It was just, I read in the scripture where Paul was writing um, to different churches like the Philippians and the Corinthians, where he actually talks him about sending him on to where he was going next. And I went, so Paul's appealing to the churches he already planted to ship him on to the to the churches he's going to plant. And I thought, you know, it, uh, you know, leave it to the Bible to you know have all the answers, huh? But I remember thinking, now that's a game changer. If if pastors or church planners understood that principle, that would change everything for them. You know, and here's kind of the interesting thing to me about this. Oh, but but let me say, it takes balls to do it. It does. <laughs> it does absolutely. And especially like the church uh, DNA, the leadership in the church need to understand what you're doing because they're going to look at it. Like if you had people who were you know new to the church board, officers of the church, uh, however your church does its membership. And they might go, well, why are we paying this guy who's left? You know, that doesn't make any sense. And, and that's why it needs to be written in. And everyone needs to understand this is what we do. We are a church sending church. 
we're going to constantly be doing that. But here, here's the thing that I wanted to get it's, to. It's almost a sense of gratitude, though, where they're saying we wouldn't be here if that guy hadn't done what he did. So we're going to send him off to do it somewhere else again. Absolutely. And but, it will taper off. Sorry, but, man. What were you no, no. Here's the thing. Uh, the, the story of Napoleon Hill. Um, before, you know, he was this uh, famous writer, you know, and wrote Think and Grow Rich and all that other uh, books that he'd done. He gets called into the office of uh, Andrew Carnegie. And Andrew Carnegie basically says, hey, look, with my phone call, I can put you in front of the most successful, influential men in the world. And I want you to interview them because I want to know what did these guys do to become successful? And so... Um, you know, he basically lays out, this is what I want you to do. You're going to do all this work. Oh, and by the way, you're going to do it for free. I'm not going to give you a dime to do this. Are you up for it? And, you know, I don't know how many people were offered that by Andrew Carnegie before. How many people said, well, you know, I'd love to do that, but I really need a paycheck. You know, but I really got to take care of the family, but I really got to do this, that, or the next. And didn't jump on it. And Napoleon Hill was the one who said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll work for free. Like, when you say that to the next pastor, look, here's the deal. You're going to have to work for a significantly reduced pay or no pay for a long time, and it'll finally build up. Are you open to it? Are you interested? Yeah. And you're going to get the right guy because the wrong guys Absolutely. are going to go, no, I need a paycheck. Yep. And and so, you know, it's funny because, you know, here we are, we're talking about the guy who who goes on. Right. Um, wh- one of the things that's equally as important to become a church planning church is you yourself have to from day one be looking at your church plant as a hub. Right. As as a place, almost like a barracks where you're training up the soldiers to go out and take new ground not not um you know not not just this community you you need to think beyond that community and so one of the 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 biggest thing that holds a church up from planting more churches is our leadership issues personnel so for example we've just talked we've addressed we spent most of the time talking about uh the fact that you know you need um to free the guy up who's planted the foundation layer, the, the apostolic leader. You need to free him up. So this is one of the ways you can do it. If, if, if he needs that supplemental income, great. He takes it with him for a time that comes back to the church, perhaps, you know, but, but equally, you've got to start training and discipling others. Remember the great commission has hardwired into it. Discipleship. This is kind of the buzz right now. Everyone's talking about it. Like it's a newly discovered truth. Um, but this has always been the way that church planners operate. Look at uh, Jesus, obviously, was a church planner. On this rock, I will build my church. He, is, he was the one who kind of first talked about foundations and building on a, a foundation uh, in connection with church planning. So Paul didn't come up with that. Um, but then Jesus um, disciples, the majority of his ministry was pouring into 12 guys for three years. Now you look at Paul, right? Paul goes out on his first missionary journey, and what does he do? He takes uh, Barnabas's nephew with him, John Mark, and you know John Mark doesn't do so hot. Maybe he wasn't, you know, uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas. Maybe they didn't, you know, disciple disciple him very well. Maybe they learned from their mistakes. Who knows? All we know is that by the second time around, Paul's recovered from the blow with John Mark, and what he he's just left and right grabbing young guys and discipling them. So that becomes a key for him. By his third missionary journey, he's parked in one spot, and he's just sending guys out into Asia using Ephesus as a base. So my point is that whole discipleship thing, that's what church planners, serial church planners do. Um, they live vicariously through other guys who plant. So you're pouring into other guys. You're, you're, um, you almost at times feel more like um, – you know, the big brothers of America, like that's what you are. You know, you're coming along mentoring other guys. And I would, sh- I would certainly say at this stage in my ministry, I've just entered into um, what I would say was Paul's third missionary journey. I've been, you know, years ago, I was the guy who went out myself and, you know, I, I talk about it and church zero, ching that, uh, you know, I go out like Luke Skywalker, half caught, get my butt kicked, my hand cut off, you know, 
don't complete my Jedi training, you know, and, and, and get banged up. But then it's like in Return of the Jedi, when he comes back, you know, it's like uh, he's learned some stuff. And so, you know, my second phase was like uh, training other guys. And, and, and over the last few years, m- the focus of my ministry has been training other guys um, as I church plant, kind of like Paul's second missionary journey. And so my point is, if you want to be a church planting church, like we just planted Refuge Long Beach, place is popping now on a Sunday morning. In the last like six weeks or so, um, it, it's grown quite a bit. Um, and we can't explain it. It just, you know, it does tend to be a lot of times in the third year a church pops. But, but one of the things that I've done from day one with that church is I trained a host of guys. I trained Jimbo, I trained Mike Bonomo, I trained Charlie, and I trained um, uh, was it Ruben. And those were like my four guys that I trained, um, and I spent hours with them every single week, um, either face-to-face with most of them, or like Charlie, who wasn't as flexible, you know, on the phone for hours, you know, because I realized that if I didn't do that, these guys were not going to be church planners by the time I was going to leave. I, I had a theory that one of those guys was going to take over uh, and lead the team. It's always team ministry as far as I'm concerned. For any church plan I leave, it needs to be a team and it needs to be a healthy team. Um, but that was going to take a lot of discipleship work for me, investing. And then some of them were going to go out and plan. Of course, that's happened. So, Well, it kind of has. I mean, it's it's not, I mean, it's not what you thought it was going to be. And it's not what any of us thought it it would be. You mean, what part do you mean? Like who's staying, who's leading, who's who's planning out. I mean, it it never works out the way way it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's never the way it is. You always think you, you got to figure out like, who's going to stay there. Yeah, no, that was totally. And I'm used to that now. And, and there were no surprises towards the end where I could really see, I, I, I can see what's happening here. And some of them couldn't see it, but, but for me, it was very obvious. And now, in hindsight, they're like, man, this is awesome, you know, because the guy we thought was going to stay, you know, which was Charlie, has actually been the guy who's gone out. And, um, you know, and it, it and he's he's very happy. You know, and I think, too, that. it's interesting, though, as I look at the guys and you look at where they're at in their lives, because it, to me, it's it's funny that Charlie's the one that's the church planner. Because out of everybody, he's got the best job in the world. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's got uh, a wife, a couple of kids. Um, Ruben's not married. Uh, Bonomo's got kids, but they're a lot older. Charlie's kids are young. I mean, they're yeah. what elementary and junior high, maybe. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, his oldest. I don't know how old his oldest is. I don't think he's in high school yet, though. Right? So yeah. like twelve or thirteen. I don't know. I don't know how all that stuff works. But it's like he to me, he would be the least likely to plant. Because when you got a good job, I mean, why are you going to go plant a church? (laughs) Except for every reason that we've been talking about, he's got income, right? He's got income. And so he gets to focus on his passion on the church. But but again, you know, Charlie wouldn't have made it through the new breed filter if if we in any way caught a whiff that this dude's just planting for a paycheck. Like, that's the first thing we say at our conference. If you're here. Well, he's never never given that. I mean, you'd never thought that about him. Because no, he had a Charlie, paycheck. He had a good paycheck. Well, he has a good does. paycheck. I don't know how good it is. He doesn't need to be in ministry. He's got a good job, yeah. you know, but this is his calling. He's he got the best it. hair of any man on earth. When I he grow does. up, I want to have hair like Charlie. He calls Absolutely. it the bonsai. It's like perfectly sculpted. It's it's Even even Tulian Tavigian stays up at night thinking about Charlie's hair. I, I honestly, I violate Exodus 2017 every time I see it. I covet his hair. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a commandment breaker for it sure. Is, no doubt. But, you know, here's, here's the deal is, you know, you, you've, got, you've got to be strategic in how you're going to train your guys. You have to. One, one of the things that guys don't do a lot uh, is, again, they, they think, oh, I'll wait some time and then I'll – no, you start finding people right away, and and for girls as well. I mean, girls need to be trained. Let's not just talk guys. But if you hear me kind of talking about guys a lot, because I train guys, you know, it'd be kind of weird if I was like, "Hey, Michelle, let me train you in church planning." You know, I'm married. That's creepy. Get out of here, right? 
Um, I, I train guys. So if I say guys, it's because I train them. But what, my wife what, also what if, trains. What if she's really, really ugly? You know, like what if Michelle is It's just... okay then. You know, we have that discussion with my <laughs> wife. It's kind of like <laughs> I got this rule on Facebook. Like unless you like go to my church and it just be kind of really rude for me not to be your friend on Facebook or um, your uh, – what was the other thing? Um, you can – yeah. Or your family. Um, if you're a girl, you don't come. I, I, I'm not going to friend you. It's, it's weird to me. It's like I never was on that MySpace, right? And uh, and and my wife always is laughing because she's like, "Well, that's kind of weird," because uh, you know, like what, like ugly ones and old ones can can be your friends, and you know, sometimes that's see. I hope none of those women are like listening to this podcast, going, "So I'm an ugly one." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Paul. <laughs> yes, I excel at that, man. The if you have a rash about. of unfriends on Facebook, I'm I'm going to think that's perfect. Nah, they're not listening. This is mostly boys listen to this podcast, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm just kind of guessing. <laughs> the ugly ones don't know how to work a podcast. Come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so here's the deal, though. Like, this is what you need to do for um, training your people. Uh, you, you need to be having, uh, church planners, you know, future church planners, just potential church planners. What we do is we have them in COGS. Um, now COGS stand for communities of grace, which for us means, um, you know, like a, like a missional community. And so what we do is we, we take someone, what I do is I start everyone off. And uh, when I first plan a church, when I break up into multiple missional communities, I take all of them. Right. I don't do them in my house. They're not in my house. They're never in my house. Um, I might do one for my leaders in my house. And then that eventually becomes like a, a leadership discipleship talk. But then I do one with the people I think are going to be leaders. And I go to alders and I lead those for a time. And I eventually have them start working in. Like I might start off with Reuben. Reuben, do communion. Right. Okay. And then, you know, I just start piling stuff on. Hey, I want you to do a five minute devotional in this because some of these guys have never taught. So you've got to kind of disciple them into teaching. And all of our cogs are discussion based, but there's a, you know, there's a teaching portion too. It's conversational, but it's still, you've got to be able to, to teach. And even that's the skill that they have to learn. So then from there, um, I eventually start kind of tag teaming with them. Then I just sit and watch. You know, eventually I'm not doing anything. And then I have in, you know, and if you do this, say with like four or five guys, each one of those cogs is a practice church. And mm. eventually what you're hoping to do is to launch each of those cogs, maybe not those churches, but to launch each of those leaders out. And eventually you want to train them to disciple others, kind of like Paul says to Titus. You know, train other men who are also able to train others. So it becomes, you know, again, like I said, eh, who'd have thunk the Bible had all the answers? But this stuff in a rocket science, you don't got to go to my special free seminar. Um, you don't have to, like, it's all in the scripture, guys. All that stuff is in there if you know where to look. And so that's the way it happens. It's not rocket science. Um, but eventually you're going to start working them into the pulpit on Sundays. And so we can talk a little bit more about this in another podcast where we talk about how you disciple people. There's a lot more than just what I've shared at the end here. But, you know, becoming a viral church takes foresight. It takes vision and it's, it takes uh, strategy. Yep. I'm down, there's, baby. There's an old, I'm down. There's an old saying, be careful that you, you, you know, if you aim for nothing, cause you might just hit it. Mm. You got to know what you're aiming for. You're aiming that this church will plant more churches. So, Hey, this has been the church. Hey, 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 before you do that, before you do our, our final sign off, if you all revved up, I know if you have any uh, comments, questions, snide remarks, give us a ring at five, six, two, Five five three zero 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 four, and leave. Or us a if you message. just want to call and serenade us, that would be cool. Ooh, that would be hot. I like that. Yeah. Five six two five five three zero 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 four. Make up a song about us, and we'll play it. Maybe on the podcast, oh, we'll definitely <laughs> play it. Especially if you tell us, "Hey, I'm singing this one in underoos." 
then it for sure goes on. So, hey, this has been the Church Planter Podcast, and we're reminding you that if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Game over, man. It's game over. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music.